brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. ACAA, Loma Linda. Consider this your invitation to sell. At buysellmakeoffer.com, you can sell as much as you want for the next 60 days without paying any fees whatsoever. Sound incredible? It is, and it's true. Buysellmakeoffer.com is the new exciting way to sell your stuff online. Make extra money right now. Sell your old car, furniture, video games, household items, clothes, even your home. Sell anything that's legal. Load up your stuff to sell right now at buysellmakeoffer.com. This is your official invitation to get on board to sell your stuff right now free for the next 60 days and once you see how easy it is you'll want to sign up for more because there are no item fees that's right take this opportunity to move items from the other guys and sell it for free you might even win a samsung tablet amazon gift cards and other cool prizes buy sell makeoffer.com is the future of online selling you can use skype to talk to your buyer or seller plus you can use video to showcase your items buy sell makeoffer.com K-C-A-A. Market Wrap with Mo Ansari is your daily source for financial news and analysis. With over 30 years of trading experience, Mo shares his thoughts on the markets, answers your financial questions, and features guest experts from around the world covering a variety of investment topics. Visit MarketWrapWithMo.com for more info about the show and listen to Market Wrap with Mo Ansari. Weekdays at 5 p.m. on KCAA 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. KCAA, where every day is a great day. KCAA, Loma Linda. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. Well, amen. What a day, glorious day this is already. I'm glad that I got to be here today to see all of you. And uh, you sometimes uh, hear me say it at the door. It honestly and truly, and I mean it as sinceriously as I can, that's, that's my friend's new word that he made up, sinceriously, that it's a blessing to me when you're here. Just the truth. Just the truth. Thank you for being here. Thank you, ladies, for 
for uh, leading us in, in uh, that time of worship also. Our lesson in Sunday school was about worship, and God has really been dealing with me about this matter of worship because what happens to us is we become complacent. We, we become so busy in our daily lives that, that uh, we, we worship, but we don't necessarily always worship God. And so we have all these other things, these little idols, these little created things that we like to, we like to call our own, and we like to just kind of bow down to them a little bit, you know. So we, we worship all kinds of things. And the bad thing is that sometimes whenever we come into the Lord's house, we forget to leave those things at home, and we come up here, and instead of worshiping God, we, we worship those things. You know, like cell phones? Now, I, I don't know if anybody in here has even got a cell phone turned on or not, but it's always interesting, you know, whenever you go to some activity, some program, and you hear cell phones going off all over the place, you know, and it just kind of kind of drives you bananas, and you you kind of look at them. Well, you don't look at them because you don't know where it is, but you kind of think, hmm, why would they do that? And then you think, oh, you know, there was a time when I did that too. But what I'm saying to you is that somehow or another, we've got to figure out a way that when we come into God's house, we've set aside, now you set aside an hour, okay, to worship God. It's half over. Whoops. More than half over. May get to be here a little longer than an hour today. But let's worship God. Let's, let's not be distracted by those things that so easily distract us. And let's take some time to worship God today. I want to look at a passage of Scripture today that at first reading is kind of overlooked most of the time. I mean, we don't, we don't give a lot of attention to it, but it has a very important message. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In the last chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I'm going to read verses 5, 5 through 9. And our primary emphasis today will be on verse 9. Our subject is titled, Opposition, an Occasion for Opportunity. Opposition, an Occasion for Opportunity. Now notice with me, if you will, beginning in chapter 16 and verse 5. Paul writes, now, I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now, by the way. He said, I'm going by there, but I'm not going to get to stop and see you. I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. But if I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, he said, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now, most of what we want to talk about is found in that last verse, and it's very important for us to see uh, what Paul what Paul is saying, but to fully understand it, we need to we need to uh, come to the point of our scripture. We need a little bit of a historical background. Paul was winding down; he was finishing up his letter to to the church at Corinth, his first letter to the church at Corinth, and he had, he had written to his friends there, and he spoke of another journey. He spoke of another time. He said, "I want to come see you again." And, and that's, always a, that's always an interesting thing. I've been privileged to preach in uh, other churches on occasion for friends of mine. Some, sometimes they weren't my friends before I knew it. But 
But whenever I left after spending some time uh, with the folks who were there and, and enjoying a time of fellowship with them, they always said, please come back. And I would always say, I want to come back. I will come back and I will see you again. And that's what Paul was saying. There was there were those who were there who wanted to see him again. He said, I want to come. I'm not going to get to come by there this time. Gotta, I got to go to Ephesus. But uh, but I want to come back, and I will come back, and I'm planning on coming back, and hopefully whenever I get there, I can spend some time. And so that's what Paul was saying to them. But he said, now first I have to go to Ephesus. Well, the people at Corinth knew uh, as well as Paul did that 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 could be a difficult, a difficult situation. It could be a trying time. It was a different kind of deal. He said of Ephesus, it was a place with many adversaries, with many adversaries. So first we want to deal with the subject of opposition, the many adversaries, the opposition. Paul could not help but remember the near-death experience he had whenever he was in Ephesus before. According to Acts chapter 19, it, it, it records the moments and, and the time, the very critical time, the very serious time, uh, whenever Paul was there. I want to read to you out of Acts chapter 19. I'm going to begin in verse 24 because I think it's important for us to see what was going on. It says, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain into the, uh, unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation. He called his union reps. He called his union brothers. And he said, Sirs, we know that by this craft we have our wealth. Uh-oh, there is the key to the whole deal. It's greed. He said, moreover, he said, we know that we have by this craft, we have our wealth. Moreover, you see, and here that not alone in Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people saying that they be no gods, which are made with hands. So that not only this, our craft is in danger, to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, Many of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have in, entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. They said, stop, Paul, don't go in there. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. They didn't even know why they were there. They just knew that there was something happening. There was a, there was a battle. There was a fight. It's kind of like when there's a fight at school and all the kids gather around. They're, they all just they all just gather around. My son Scott works at Mesquite High School, and he says he said you can always tell there'll be a crowd of kids and they'll gather around. He said there'll be some kids fighting, and he said when I pulled out the pepper spray, he said the kids scatter. They don't hang around then. Well, this was all diffused later on. You'd have to read the rest of the chapter. And it was all diffused later on by one of the leaders of the city, of the community. He said, there's nothing here. They have done nothing wrong. So leave them alone. Y'all go on back home where you came from. He diffused the whole uh, situation. But here was a man, Demetrius, 
who wanted to who wanted to have Paul thrown out or have him butchered or something. They wanted to do something to him, and it was a horrifying experience. In fact, it was one of those experiences where the the other people, the other who were traveling companions of Paul, came to him and said, "Paul, do not go in there." Now, Paul, being the kind of man that he was, would have just as easily said, "Wait a minute, wait. I'm not afraid of those people." And they would, I think they would have literally laid hands on him and drug him out to keep him from going in. But, but they finally caused him to understand and see that it was not a good thing. It was not the right thing for him to go in there. Yet we read here in our pastor scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 16 that Paul was eager to go back there. He was eager to go back there. Well, somebody might ask, are there not plenty of places to preach unopposed? Well, now that's a, you know that's a that's a good question. Why why would he not choose to be out of harm's way? Well, let me just tell you something. If you go unopposed at all times, then eventually the opposition will come to you. If you don't make that stand, if you don't take that stand, and that conference that we went to the first part of this week was was all about that, folks. We've got to make a stand. Our our nation is going to be gone. It's literally it's going to be gone. Okay, if you have not uh, paid a lot of attention, but uh, a, a lot of the things that are going on right now, our nation's going to be gone. It's not going to be our, our children, our grandchildren. They won't, they won't have a country, the country that we were able to enjoy. And it's up to us as believers in Christ to uh, change the flow, okay? God has called on us. The scripture in Second Chronicles 7, 14, it's, it's there. It tells us what we need to do, and it, and it puts it directly on us. We're the ones who who are responsible. Now, our nation is different from every other nation in the world, by the way, just in case you don't know that. Most of them are monarchies or, or some kind of archies. But we get, to, we get to live in a country where we can make our own decision, choose where we want to live, what we want to be when we grow up, what we want to do, how much money we want to make, and all those kind of things. We get to choose those things. Nobody else in the world gets to do it exactly the way we do. We're privileged. And I truly and honestly believe that that's the reason that our nation has continued and lasted as long as it has. Because all of these other nations, they'll last until the monarch dies and then something changes. They'll do something different. They'll get somebody new. And folks, we need to be, we need to be on point. Our nation is depending on us. Less than 9%, less than 9% of the population of the United States determines who the next president will be, what kind of laws we're going to have, less than 9%. You see, only about 18% actually vote. It's just a small minority that actually vote. Now, a big number registered to vote. I, I think if I had you raise your hands today, everybody in here would probably hold their hand up that they're registered to vote if you're over the age of 18. They're registered to vote. They just don't go vote. Half of them, half of the people in the in the United States who register to vote don't go vote, and it's just a, a, an unbelievable way that it comes down to that amount. But just a minority, a very small number of people, actually uh, determine the outcome of the elections. And so we need to be busy. We're in opposition right now. There's all kinds of uh, laws and legal things that are going on around us. So a lot of times we don't even know about it. A lot of times you don't get told about it because I don't oftentimes say anything to you about it. But there is opposition, folks. There's opposition. And, and I'm not going to tell you that all people are that way. No, they're not. 
No, they're not. But there is that opposition that is coming from that direction. And what is the answer to that? Just what Paul did. What is the answer to that? Just what Paul did. He shared the gospel with them. He said, he said, yes, there's opposition. Folks, a Christian discipleship is not a soft job. It's a perpetual, or a perpetual picnic. Uh, it's not a sort of entertainment. It's, it's called to be a child of God wherever you are, whether you're here at the polls or somewhere else. And, and we need to make our stand because we have uh, an opportunity. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, okay? But we need to understand that God has called us and it's not an easy job that He's called us to. We sing the song, Onward Christian Soldiers, without realizing that a soldier is one who is expected to serve in times of conflict and opposition. <laughs> you know, we, we have these people that volunteer to, to uh, our, our military services during, during uh, peacetime, whatever that is these days. They volunteer during peacetime. They don't get to quit just because a war breaks out. They don't get to back up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I changed my mind just because there's something, a conflict going on. And folks, we're that way too. We're believers in Christ. We're, we're Christian soldiers. And we have to serve. We have to be ready to serve in times of opposition, in times of conflict as we go. And the conflict can come from any direction. It can be outright persecution, be tribulation or trial in your life, be difficulties. It can come from uh, peer pressure. It can come from governmental decisions and come from other religious groups and all kinds of different things can come our way. But, but, it's, but it's real. And, and that conflict can cause us confusion. And we don't need to be any more confused than we already are about serving our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. One has said, if a person's witness is not opposed by Satan, it is only because it is no threat to him. Did you get that? If a person's witness is not opposed by Satan, it is only because it is no threat to him. He doesn't deem it worth opposing. And so we need to be careful that we don't fall into that kind of a situation. Our subject is opposition and occasion for opportunity. The second part is that word occasion. Occasion must be represented in the exercise of faith. In the exercise of faith. Now, there, there are a lot of occasions that are, are come about to us in our daily lives uh, that we don't take advantage of. We, we, and sometimes it's not even the opposition. It's not even the conflict. It's not even the struggle. You see, we must believe that there is opportunity in the midst of opposition. Otherwise, we will settle for the easy way out. And we'll look for the unopposed opportunity or worse than that, we'll just do nothing. We'll just do nothing. And, and folks, I want to tell you something. That's, that's what happens so often in the lives of believers. There'll be some form of opposition that'll arise, and that believer will say, it's just not worth it. I mean, some of them even say it out loud. This road is too hard. I can't travel this way. I can't handle it. I can't do it. Well, listen, you're going to miss out on all that God has for you in the way of blessing. Something becomes an occasion for opportunity when we act in faith. When we realize that God has called us and that He's with us and that whatever He wants done, He can get done and He can actually use us to get that, to get His work done. The third part is the word opportunity. 
the word opportunity. Now, the great, greatest privilege any of us ever has is to be used in the work of God's kingdom. The greatest privilege that you as a believer in Christ will ever have will be to lead somebody to Jesus. Lead somebody to Jesus. Show them how that they can come to Christ through simple faith. And it's so, it's so easy. God made it easy so that anyone at any age would be able to understand. And you got to remember that God chose you. God selected you. He selected you uh, to be His child, but He has also especially gifted you. Every one of you are gifted. If you're a child of God, He has given you at least one gift, many of you more than that, but He's given you one gift. And one of the gifts that He's given every believer is the privilege and the opportunity to share Christ with someone. And when you do that and they accept Christ, you're in the presence of the greatest miracle of all time. Because before Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And He gives to us life, new birth. He gives to us life eternal. Now, Paul wrote, I will tarry at Ephesus for a great door and effectual is open unto me. The Greek word there that's translated effectual is the word energies. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's kind of an unusual adjective to be added to a word, a noun like door. But it means active. It means effective. It means a, a, a value. And it's exact description of the opportunity that Paul said that was open to him. He said, he said, a great door is open for me. Now, when he was there the time before, they tried to kill him. He said, I got to go back because there's a great door open. There's a, a, a door open for the presentation of the gospel like has never been opened in Ephesus before. He said, I've got to go there. And, I'm, and, and basically, uh, based on the other things that he said, and I've got to stay there as long as it takes. So I'll see you later, uh, and I plan to come back, but I'm going to be in Ephesus as long as it takes. It's the door of opportunity. He said the door of opportunity, and I, it, it's interesting because the word, um, the word that he uses uh, there for is opened is in the perfect tense, which means it's a door that stands open. You know, it's kind of like the doors here around the church on Sunday mornings. Yeah, it's, it's funny because when the wind blows, sometimes the leaves go all the way through because the doors are propped open. Listen, the doors of the church house should always be open so that people can come in, so that they can come in. And so he said it's a great door, and it stands agape. It stands open. He said it's, it's there, and I've got to go, and I've got to be there in spite of whatever persecution or opposition that I could face, that I could face in Ephesus. Folks, this was all written down by the Apostle Paul. And throughout the ages, it's been preserved. There's a purpose for that. And that purpose is that through it, God might speak to us so that we might see that the opposition to our faith is truly an occasion uh, uh, to share that faith so that that faith might be expressed to others. One said, our opportunity is to make some inroad upon the kingdom of darkness by extending the kingdom of light. That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing. You go into the opposition 
but you have the light of Jesus with you, you see. And you can see where you're going. You can see what's happening and you can reveal to them being being the reflectors of Jesus' light, you can reveal to them their need of faith in Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They shall turn away their ears from the truth. Watch, he said, endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists. Make full proof of thy ministry. Folks, we are called to be in the midst of this this conflict, this struggle, so that we might have the opportunity to share Christ with some. I'm going to share this little illustration with you, and then we're going to close. There once was a pastor who was so harassed, he was criticized by his church members, that he determined that he would resign. But before he tendered his resignation, he sought the counsel of one who had pastored much longer. And to his surprise... The older retired gentleman pastor asked these questions. Do your people ever ever spit in your face? No, no, of course not, he replied. Do they ever hit you and beat you? No. Have they ever dressed you up and mocked you and befooled you? No, he said. Have they stripped you, crowned you with thorns and crucified? He didn't have to finish. He didn't have to finish. My friends, I want you to know that opposition is an occasion for opportunity. Until it gets worse than what Jesus went through, then we don't deserve any better. He is our example. And in reality, if you're not facing opposition, you're not living for Jesus the life of Christian faith. Because if you're not facing opposition, that means nobody's seeing any difference in your life. Father, thank you today for the Word of God. Thank you, Father, that you prepared it and preserved it for us so that we might read it. And thank you, God, that you take it and you apply it in our hearts and our lives by the power of your Spirit. Dear Father, help us to be paying attention to you right now because, Father, the greatest part of our worship is the time of commitment. And help us to be faithful today to listen to you, to hear you, to be responsive to your spirit and to make those commitments that you're calling on us to make. Now, Father, speak to our hearts just now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And as we do so, if God has spoken to your heart today, if you're here today and you've realized today that you're not saved, that you've never been born into the family of God, please come today. I'll show you today from the Word of God how you can know that you have eternal life, that you're a child of God. Maybe you're here today and you know that you haven't been serving the Lord, haven't been living for the Lord. Maybe there was something about the message today that spoke to your heart and you've realized that your Christian faith is only represented when you're at church instead of out there where you live. Uh, My prayer is that today God might speak to your heart, that we might realize the importance of who we are. Those people who are lost outside the church house They're depending on me and they're depending on you. They don't have anybody else, folks. Government's not going to lead them to Jesus. It's going to have to be us. We've been called to that. We've been gifted to do that. So may we make those commitments under the Lord today. Maybe God has spoken to you about some other need that you have today. This altar is open. As God speaks to you, won't you come?
You are listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. All right, I appreciate you guys very much for coming today and sharing with us and allowing us to spend a few moments of worship uh, time with you. All right, if you have a Bible with you today, I'm going to invite you to turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis, um, first book of the uh, Bible of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. We're going to be looking primarily at chapter uh, two and chapter three and then some other chapters and some other places, but uh, we'll begin here in the book of Genesis in chapter uh, Genesis in chapter two. The creation and existence of Mankind is a great mystery to many uh, philosophers and scholars of human education. They find it difficult uh, to understand and, and accept the fact that God created the man Adam. And if he did, why in the world did he give Adam free will? Especially if you believe that God is sovereign and in fact knew the decisions that Adam and Eve would make in future days. Why in the world would he allow them uh, to have that free choice? Well, God, God chose that to give a man a free choice so that he would be able to choose to worship God. He would be able to choose to honor God. Remember, Adam was the first man, but Adam was more than the first man. He was the picture of all mankind, of all humankind, and, and even though, you know, we might, and I've said this many times before, even though we might, you know, be a little rough on Adam, say, Adam, why in the world did you do that? Look what a mess you put us all in. In fact, if your name had been Adam and you had been there, you'd have done the same thing because we have a bent towards uh, wanting to make our own choices and our own decisions, and sometimes they're not very smart. Sometimes we don't uh, allow the information to process uh, before we make those decisions. And so Adam chose to not believe God and he sinned against God through uh, disobedience to God. Now I want us today to talk about uh, a subject that I've titled Formed to be Transformed. Formed to be Transformed. Because it, without this thought and without this idea, we could never ever in our entire lives, figure out exactly why we're here. You know, there's people who struggle with that question, why am I here? Uh, uh, even even old um, Charlie Brown. He struggled, why am I here? What am I doing here? What's the meaning to life? And folks, I want to tell you something. Those questions are asked in every generation. Oftentimes, probably asked by every single individual who's ever lived here at some point or another in their existence, in their life, that question has been asked, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Well, I'm going to tell you today, you were formed to be transformed. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see, there is the beginning of this whole subject and that is the fact that God made man. God formed man out of the dust of the ground. So first of all, the first point in our subject today is God formed us. God formed us. Now, if you turn back to chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us... <laughs> that means there was somebody else there. Well, it was. It was Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And God said, Let us 
make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. And then over in chapter 2 and verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had what? Formed. There is where he put the man whom he had formed. And so first of all, God formed us. Well, how were, how, uh, he tells us in the scripture how we were formed. It says from the dust of the ground. From the dust of the ground. So in, uh, in, in reality, uh, what we're made of uh, just turns to dust when we're gone. When we're, when we've departed these bodies, our, 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 our bodies go back to the dust. That's where it came from there in Genesis 2, 7. Not only that, but he tells us from what pattern he formed us. I think this is very interesting. Why would he do that? But he formed us after the pattern of himself. The scripture says that we are created in the image of God. Well, what an interesting study that would be to spend a little bit of time. Uh, we don't have that much time today, but to study the idea of the fact that God chose to create man in his own image. And he, he tells us in these verses of scripture he, how, that he created us uh, formed us with uh, certain privileges, certain freedoms. And that freedom is to choose. That freedom is to choose. Now, we don't always choose very well. Verse 16 of chapter 2 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, what does that do to you? Uh, what does it do to you whenever somebody tells you you can't do something? Some of you caught on to what I was saying, didn't you? Somebody tells you you can't do that, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to try. <laughs> you're going to try. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Well, God told them, look, and, but, but the interesting thing about this is we tell each other we can't do some stuff all the time or, or uh, parents tell children they can't do things all the time. But God said, look, only one thing, <laughs> only one thing I don't want you to do, and that's to go eat of that one out of that one tree. So he gave us the freedom to choose, and they, choo they chose to not believe God, and they chose to disobey to disobey God. Now, 
Why were we formed? For what purpose were we formed? Well, the Scripture also tells us the answer to that. We were formed to be stewards or to be overseers or to be keepers of God's creation. That's the first part of it. There's two parts. That's the first part. To be keepers of God's creation. In 126, God said, let them have dominion over the earth. To dominate. To be, to have dominion over the earth. We're to be, we're to be keepers of God's creation. And the second thing is that we are formed to have fellowship with God. He formed us to have fellowship with Him. Verse 8, chapter 2, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. Why? So that we might have fellowship with Him. Notice chapter 3 and verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, folks, it was the habit that they spent time together. God expected them to be there in the place where they met together regularly. Verse 9 says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now, it's not as if God didn't know where they were. He just was, it was just time for them to fess up. It was time for them to understand that you can't hide anything from God and that they had been found out and that they had been discovered that they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He probably went and checked the tree before he came, you know, to be sure that, no, he didn't have to do that. God created man from the dust, but in his image. And he gave man a free will for the purpose of choosing to have fellowship with him. His desire was that we would choose to love him. And folks... You know, if you don't love anything else in the world, you got to love God. you got to love God. He is the one who made you. He's the one who, who gives you the things that you have. Now, when I say gives them to you, He loans them to you. They're, they're, they're for you to use for your purposes, but they're also to be used for His purposes. God formed us. The second thing that I want you to notice is that sin deformed us. <laughs> sin deforms us. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 says, By the law is the knowledge of sin. So it is by the word of God that we learn of our sin and the provision which God has made for us in our behalf. Now I want to turn your attention over into the book of 2 Timothy. Um, 2 Timothy chapter... I'll get it right in a minute. Get the right ribbon here in a minute. 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, chapter 3 and verse 15. Paul, writing to young Timothy, says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. From a child, he said, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures. You've learned uh, the Holy Scriptures, how critical that is. He says, you, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, now listen, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, <clears throat> that the man of God may be perfect or complete, 
thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Folks, <clears throat> the Bible was given to us to inform us uh, uh, concerning our personal needs. We don't realize, folks, until we hear from the Word of God that we really uh, have these needs. And so it is that we are brought into the place to where we hear the Word of God and understand uh, understand the Word of God. Now, in a minute, I'm going to go back and pick up that pick up that one that I said about sin deformed us. I got on the wrong page on my notes, but that's all right because it's all important. So it is through the Bible that we learn that every man is a sinner. Uh, Jesus says, "He that believeth not is condemned already." So what is that sin? He that believeth not is condemned already. That sin is unbelief, just like in the Garden of Eden. Just like in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Adam and Eve chose not to believe God. They chose rather to believe who? The sat Satan, the old devil. They chose to believe him instead of God. So he says, He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And in verse 18, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth uh, on him. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, the Scripture tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Listen, you may be alive physically, but until you come to faith in Jesus Christ, there is no spiritual life. There is a soul in there, but that soul literally, based on what God says in His Word, that soul literally is a dead, is a dead soul. You see, it seems from these verses of Scripture that man is eternally doomed with no possibility of deliverance. Even in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, we read a sad story. It says, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. And yet that verse of Scripture is the bad news, good news verse because he goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I want you to get that picture because he says the wages of sin is death. In other words, death is what we've earned. That's what we deserve. That's the payment that we should receive. But he says that's not what God chooses for us. What does he choose? He chooses to give us a gift. Not what we deserve. Not what we've earned. Listen, folks, the cross shouldn't have been for Jesus. It should have been for me. I'm the sinner. He's not the sinner. He had never sinned. But He died in my place. He died a propitiation, the Scripture says, a, a, an atoning sacrifice. He died on the cross so that I might not have to die for my sins. It is the gift of God which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, the same God who created the man, knowing that he would choose to sin, set in motion in the very beginning uh, to make provision for deliverance. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, talking to Nicodemus, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God gave us the Bible to inform us of who he is. 
He gave us the Bible to inform us of His expectations upon our lives. And He gave us the Bible to inform us of our sinfulness and our resulting condemnation. And He gave us the Bible to inform us of His provision, which has been made possible through simple faith in the name of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. Folks, through faith in Jesus, a sinful man can be restored to full fellowship and full harmony, uh, full fellowship and full harmony with God. Listen, Jesus came to the earth. He came to fulfill, fulfill the promises. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill all that was necessary so that we might be saved. And in doing so, uh, he, he, he brought condemnation on those who will not believe in him. But at the same time, it was not for that purpose that he came, but he came to save those who are lost. So God formed us, and the Bible informs us, and as I said a while ago, sin <laughs> sin deformed us. Over in Genesis, I'm going to go back to Genesis now just for a minute. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, in verse 6 through 8, the Scripture says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They hid themselves because they knew they had sinned against God, because it it dawned on them, and they realized, you know, it, it's kind of funny, but whenever we think God's not around, then we try, we go ahead and do whatever we want to do. Now, the way we determine whether God is around sometimes is we determine it by the fact of whether somebody else from church is around or some other family member's around. Come on. You understand what I'm saying, right? Say amen. That's the way we determine. Well, somebody might see me or... We're far, far away. Well, nobody's here. Nobody will see me. Listen, you don't ever know who you're going to run into uh, whenever you're uh, off on the road and whenever you think that there's nobody else from your church there, okay? You just never you just never know. Don't stop in that liquor store. There might be, there might be somebody else in there from your church. You know what? I just took care of two people, didn't I? <laughs> The one that was going to go in there and the one that was already in there. Y'all won't be in there now, will you? Huh? Not unless you're in the other county, right? Amen. I'll tell you that story sometime. We don't have time today. Sin deformed us. When the man sinned against God, the relationship was broken. God had set man in the Garden of Eden in perfect harmony. He was in harmony with the earth. He was in harmony with the garden. He was in harmony with his labor. He was in harmony with God. He was in, even in harmony with his wife until this happened. <laughs> God said to Adam, he said, Adam, what happened? She made me do it. Eve, what happened? Uh, he made me do it. <laughs> the old devil. He made me do the devil. You see, the devil was making people do it all the way back then. You didn't realize that, did you? That wasn't a modern phenomena. Whenever we started talking about the devil made me do it. So 
man sinned against God, the fellowship was broken, the relationship was broken, and there came separation and there came division. There wasn't that same type of visitation that they had before. There was no harmony. In the beginning, there was a perfect place of dwelling. God God gave Adam the beautiful garden. It was called Edom. And, and Adam's labor was easy and it was sweet. It, I mean, it was it was enjoyable. And some of you... Some of you enjoy a garden. But let me tell you something. Enjoying a garden is hard work too. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna get out there and you're gonna work and you're gonna sweat and you're gonna labor and you're gonna dig weeds and you're gonna do all of those kind of things. Listen, I honestly don't think there were any weeds growing at that time. I really don't. There were no, there were no weeds. We know there were no thorns. We know that's true. And, and so there were no, there were no uh, uh, vines with thorns and stickers on them. Uh, there, w- there wasn't any of that. And even the rose bushes didn't have thorns back then. There were no thorns. Uh, so they, they couldn't have had thorns back then. But as a result of Adam's sin, he was put out of the garden and he was prevented from ever going back, ever returning. And it was at that point, labor became hard. It was at that point, work became hard because of the judgment of God. In the beginning, there was a good life, a life which was free and a life was, which was internal. That's eternal. That's the reason God took Adam out of the garden. He did not want him to eat of the tree of, of eternal life and live as a sinner forever and ever and ever. And so because of Adam's sin, death entered into the world. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 And verse 18 says, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. God formed us in His image to have fellowship with Him, and sin deformed us and took us away from that fellowship. Sin brings about estrangement. It brings about disharmony, and sin brought about death. And then the Bible informs us about the Savior, Jesus Christ. And finally, and ultimately, Jesus Christ transforms us. Only only He can. John wrote, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, he's talking about a supernatural birth here. He's talking about a spiritual birth. He's talking about the birth, the birth of the soul. We already said that that un, until we come to Christ, we don't have life in us. We we have this earthly existence, this earthly life, but we don't have life within us until we come to faith in Jesus Christ. So through through faith in the name of Jesus, every man, every man, woman, and child has an opportunity to be saved and to live forever and ever and ever. Jesus paid the price for your sins. Now, whether you accept the gift of God is up to you. That's your choice. Just like Adam and Eve chose not to believe God in the garden. That's true today also. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have a choice to make. Now, there's a lot of folks that say, well, well, wait a minute, preacher, I'm not going to choose today. Yeah, you are. (laughs) If you leave this place without choosing Christ, choosing to believe in Christ, then you've chosen.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...not to. But you made the choice. The choice is still, is still yours. God did His part. He provides the salvation. He has offered the gift... And you, through faith, must receive the gift. Folks, if you'll receive that gift of, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will begin to transform you. The, that, that salvation, initial salvation experience is only the beginning place. And at that time, Jesus begins to work in your life, to work in your heart, to change you. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. God begins that work to make all things new in your life. There are some things that happen just, just at that very initial point of faith, but then God begins to work in your lives. Over in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now listen. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. He's talking about a life of surrender to Jesus. He's talking about becoming a living sacrifice. In other words, giving up on you and trusting in Him. (laughs) And and there should come a time in every person's life whenever we realize that we need to give up on self because that ain't working very good. And it's time to trust Him. He is the one who can lead you and strengthen you and encourage you and empower you to be the kind of person that you need to be. So, to all philosophers and all scholars and interested people, God formed us in His image to have fellowship with Him. Sin deformed us and broke that fellowship so that we are condemned and separated from God. But the Bible informs us that God has made provision for us through the death, the sacrifice of His own Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ transforms 
us through faith, through a life of faith, and it's represented in righteousness and holy living. It's represented day by day in the way we live our lives. Folks, it's by this means and only by this means that a person can ever make any real sense of why we're here. We're here because God made us, and we're here because God wants to spend time with us. He wants to have fellowship with us, but it's still our choice because He made us with that free will, that free choice. You say, well, preacher, what about all my sins? My sins have me condemned. Well, He wants to take away your sins. Amen. He wants to cast them as far as the east is from the west. He wants to cast them into the depths of sea and remember them no more. Listen, when you come to God and confess your sins, the, the, the slate is erased. The blackboard is, is erased or whatever it is, a whiteboard or whatever kind of board you, you've got it all written down on. It's erased. And I want to tell you something. There's no trace of it left except in your own mind. Except in your own mind. Because sin leaves scars, and those scars are there to remind us that Jesus died, that Jesus died for our sins. Would you bow with me, please, for prayer? Our Father, we're grateful today that you give us the information in the Word of God that we might understand who you are, that we might understand who Jesus is, and that, Father, we might understand who we are and that we might come to the place to where we understand our purpose for being here. God, it's, it, it's confusing. It's confusing to us when we depend on ourselves and our own intellect to try to figure it out. And yet, God, you make it so clear for us to understand that we're here because you chose for us to be here. In fact, we're in this place today because you chose for us to be in this place today. And God, we're here because you want to spend time with us, because you want to have fellowship with us. You want us to have fellowship with you. And Father, if we could only spend those moments in fellowship with you, Father, we could learn so much about who you are and your expectations and your desires uh, for our lives and how we can be effective to work with you to accomplish your plan and your will upon this earth. Now, dear God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. Father, first of all, I pray you'll speak to those who are here who have never ever in their life, called upon the name of the Lord Jesus in faith, believing in Him and receiving Him as personal Savior, receiving that, that gift of eternal life, entering into a relationship with You. And Father, I pray that You'll speak to those hearts. Bring conviction, Father, because sin causes guilt, and that guilt interprets into conviction. And help us to realize today, Father, that You're the only way out. Dear Father, I pray for Christians, for believers today who haven't been walking with the Lord. Father, you, you, we know that Jesus came to save us, but He also came to transform us, to make us over into something valuable, something beautiful, something worthwhile. And so, God, I pray that You'll speak to our hearts so that we might allow that transforming process to take place in our lives by allowing Jesus to be in control. Father, help us to commit ourselves, to renew ourselves unto you. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts just now. God, call us to yourself. Help us to realize our need and then take that need, God, if you will, take that need away and replace it with the love of Jesus. And Father, I ask these things now in Jesus' name.
Amen. Brother Terry, what song? 596. Number 596 uh, in your hymnal. I'm going to invite you to turn. We're going to stand in a moment to sing. But as we stand, and as God speaks to your heart today, or as He spoke to your heart, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, my prayer is that you'll not leave this building today before you get that resolved. He's offered you the gift of life. Receive it through faith. Maybe you're here today and you know that you're a Christian. You're out of fellowship with God. You haven't been spending time with God. You haven't listened to God. You haven't had harmony with God and had fellowship with God. Come, confess your sins. He'll take them away. He'll take them away. And your fellowship, your, your harmony can be restored with Him. Maybe you need to come and join the fellowship of this church by transfer of your church letter from another Baptist church or by baptism as God has spoken to your heart. My desire, the desire of the people of this church is that you'll do exactly what God wants you to do. If you'll do that, then everybody will rejoice and be happy. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. A podcast of the service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. To listen to the service at any time, go to the KCAA Sunday schedule and click the podcast link under the image of Pastor McNary. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. We now invite you to enjoy some great gospel music for the remainder of the hour right here on KCAA Loma Linda, California, the station that leaves no listener behind. Listen to a radio station where the mighty hosts of a heaven sing. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you want to feel those good vibrations coming from the joy that his love can bring. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on.
touch with God. Get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. You've been listening to the greatest gospel music of all time, right here on KCAA Loma Linda, California, the station that leaves no listener behind. The station that leaves no listener behind. This is 1050 AM, serving Riverside, San Bernardino, KCAA, Loma Linda. KCAA invites you to listen to professional money manager Bill Gunderson every weekday morning from 7 to 8 AM. Bill Gunderson is a highly respected money manager. He's a regular contributor to MarketWatch, TheStreet.com, and Town Hall Finance. Gunderson has appeared many times on the Fox News Channel, the Fox Business Network, and CNBC. You can hear Bill Gunderson's daily insight into the market at 7 a.m. weekdays, right here on KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. The most diversified radio station on the dial, AM 1050 KCAA. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Over the past few decades, women have made major strides in catching up to their male counterparts in many areas of life. Unfortunately, one of those is alcohol abuse. We'll have the sobering story. We're seeing a closing gender gap in terms of alcohol abuse or risky drinking. Women in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and so on. Then, we often hear about deadbeat dads in the inner city. But one expert says that term isn't accurate. The more we can work to build that father-child bond, the more motivation men will have to straighten up and do the right thing in other domains of their lives. Those two interviews, and much more, are heading your way as we begin our 10th year of InfoTrack. Stick around. Our show begins right after this. Remember when Made in America meant something? Well, here at Hardwick Clothes, it still does. We've been dressing America with tailored clothing and our best-selling travel blazer since 1880. It's made right here in the USA, where American quality, innovative fabrics, and stylish design are guaranteed. Visit hardwick.com to find a retailer near you or buy direct. Free shipping is standard, so the only thing you've got to lose is an outdated wardrobe. Hardwick.com, America's best-kept secret for menswear. Advance Auto Parts knows what makes a car guy a car guy. It's working through the unexpected surprises that spring up with every project. It's character, and it isn't rattled by a little thing like a dead battery, especially when you can get a new one online at AdvanceAutoParts.com and pick it up in store just 30 minutes later. We'll even install it for free so you can get back to fixing faster. Advance Auto Parts. For guys who love getting under the hood. Most vehicles, most locations. See store for details. Look out in the street there. You know what you don't see? My car. Because I had to sell it to pay the lawyer I hired when I got busted for drunk driving. Know what else you don't see? My girlfriend. Who decided that a guy with no car and no license and no money was no fun. Cops are out there cracking down on drunk driving all across the country. And they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey, it's Flo, and here's my impression of an emotionally resilient toll booth attendant. Hey, that's a nice boat you got there. Is that thing covered with progress? Okay, you gotta go. Hell, look at you. Nice hog, fella. Looks like a twin. Oh, okay. Hey there. Where you headed, camper? You in a hurry? No big deal. Keep on keeping on. 
Ah, camping's fun. Save a big chunk of change on RV, boat, and motorcycle insurance with Progressive. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. As the years have gone by, women have made major strides in catching up to men in many areas of life. Unfortunately, one of those is problem drinking. With the sobering facts, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're talking with Ann Dowsett-Johnston. She's an award-winning journalist and the author of Drink, the Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. I think many people would be surprised to learn that alcohol abuse among women is on the rise. Can you just outline the scale of the problem for us? Yeah, we're seeing a closing gender gap in terms of alcohol abuse or risky drinking on the part of women all throughout the developed world. With some extremes such as Britain, where there's almost parity between men and women, young women getting end-stage liver disease in their 20s. So we're seeing this happen to women in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and so on. And the head-scratcher here is why. Men have been ahead of women for so long, and men are slightly on the decline in most of the developed world, but women show no sign of slowing down. Now, you have a personal story regarding this topic. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, this book is part memoir, part journalistic exploration of this subject. I was a professional, highly educated woman who never missed a day of work, never cracked up a car. In other words, didn't look like what... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.